Amen, amen, amen. Good evening. Good to see you. And those online, welcome. Glad you're able to join us this midweek service as we continue in the Old Testament in the book of Judges. We'll be taking chapter 19 tonight. <clears throat> Just to announcements-wise, don't forget, uh, as we coming on to the new month, uh, it's hard to believe we're already going into June. Man, continue on Thursday nights, and uh, and then of course the ladies will pick up on the ladies' brunches here in uh, June, July, and August. So make sure you spread the word there. But also, Jim Co is taking uh, whoever would like to go with him for a total of a five and a half mile hike. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe it's just, oh, it's just going to be an easy hike. Uh, just a just a, a slight elevation climb. Not no big deal. Uh, just bring your oxygen with you when you do come but talk to Joe I uh, talked to uh, Jim on the details of that <clears throat> so uh, it's coming up quickly so make sure you coordinate with him on that so so we can get uh, coordination of driving and everything else so beautiful day in the neighborhood up here in the north country it's a beautiful time so hopefully you're enjoying the, the heat and the sun and uh, and uh, getting outside but with that said, let's pray and we'll get right into the word tonight. Father, we thank you and we do praise you and glorify you and honor you in all the things that we say and do, Lord. And as we open up uh, your word this evening, very difficult passage ahead of us. We may not fully understand some of these things, but we know that you, with your Holy Spirit, you will minister to our hearts through the teaching tonight and uh, teach us what we need to know and understand more of you and applying it to our lives. We thank you and praise you, allowing us to be able to hear freely gather here uh, in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> we start here in Judges 19, and I, I titled it in Gibeah's Atrocity. Because it is an atrocity that we will see here in Gibeah. In chapters 17 through 21, the remaining chapters of the book of Judges, it highlights the religious apostasy and social degradation that is going on in, at that point in time in Israel's life. And it characterizes that period of what we call judges, a time when Israel had no king. Now in chapter 17 and 18 that we went over, it highlighted a nation that is characterized by idolatry. And we saw that very clearly in chapters 17 and 18. Now in chapters 19 through 21, it's going to highlight to us a dramatic depiction of the actual depravity and the darkness of the people of Israel at this point in their history. It would be better to just not teach these last three chapters and just move on to the book of Ruth. It would be much more of a positive way to keep people happy in reading the word of God. But... They're very important lessons, or God would not have given to those to us in, in the scripture. They're important lessons for us both personally and nationally. 
Now here in Judges chapter 19, verse 1, we see some of the characters that we're going to be talking about tonight. The first one happens to be a Levite and a concubine, his concubine. And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel, that there was a certain Levite living or staying in the remote mountains of Ephraim. He took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judea, or Judah. Now, in here we see there is no king. It sets the stage here. When you see these things, there is no authority. There's no authority from a man, a God-appointed king, nor God himself. There was no authority. And it sets the stage a horrible story that we're going to see in these last three chapters. Because when you see no king in Israel meant more than just the absence of a political monarchy, it also meant that they refused to recognize God's leadership or authority over them. Every man did right in his own eyes, his own sight. Whatever pleases, whatever he thinks is right, and what he sees, he justifies it and does it. Without any thought of accountability whatsoever. I don't have a king, what are you talking about being accountable? I don't see God, I don't see anyone appointed here. I have my own, I live my life however I want to live my life. And that train of thought, that thinking that we even see today, is just like we see in, an old, in the Old Testament here. People are living, every man doing right in his own sight. Of course this is right, because this is how I feel. This is what I think. And if you're really good with the religiosity, you will always describe it as, but God has shown me this. God, God showed me this. That, this, this. I know this is of God. Because it really helps in that religious circles to stop the conversation. Even though when you look at it, it's like, no, that's not of God. Because you're breaking, you're not being obedient. It, it, the word is clear on certain areas, but you, you think it's okay to continue to live that. Even though it's clear in the scriptures that you shouldn't be living that way. But you call yourself a Christian. God has shown me. And I'm sure that's happened exactly what in this here. In the, in the Old Testament. But what unfolds in the rest of these chapters is so disgusting. It just shows the depth of depravity of man's heart. And how far it will sink apart from the grace of God is, is seen in these three chapters. We see that this Levite took for himself a concubine. A Levite's concubine was recognized as his legal partner, not a full wife, but in those days, legally allowed to be able to have a, this woman to be and have the, some of the benefits as a wife, but not a full-fledged wife. She could not have any of the heritage, but she certainly could, would be provided for and have food and clothes, but it was just an extra partner for the man. But she did not have the same status in the home or in society as a wife of that man. Now in this sense, why would you have a concubine? Well, what happens if your wife couldn't have a baby? For whatever reason, couldn't have a baby. So you take a concubine to make sure you have heirs to your name. Now what's under, under, interesting here is, 
is that the Levite's concubine was recognized as his legal partner, but really a better term would is a concubine was a legal mistress for the man. And many prominent men in the Old Testament had concubines. What are some of those examples? Abraham, Jacob, Solomon, Rehoboam, Caleb, Saul, David. I mean, there's some prominent names there who all had a concubine. We never see this kind of family life blessed by God, though. Nowhere in the script. Even though the law would allow that, it was never designed by God for it to happen and to be. This concubine practices practice was never divinely approved, but allowed in the Old Testament law. And that's it. And the New Testament makes it clear from the beginning that God's plan was one man and one woman to be in one flesh forever. Matthew 19, 4 through 6. And each man is to be a one-woman man, 1 Timothy 3.2. Period. Not debatable. Because Scripture says it very clearly. Now in verses 2 through 4, we see that the Levite here has to do some reconciliation and, and, and has some challenges here. Why? Because... But his concubine played the harlot against him and went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah and was there four whole months. Translation, his concubine cheated on him. Adultery, went and slept with someone. She took off running to dad's house to, for safety and went there and was there for four months because she went and slept with another man. Playing the harlot. What happened then? Well, then her husband arose, went after her to speak kindly, which tells you his heart. I'm going to speak kindly. I'm looking, not looking to go take her head off, take her life, whatever. No, no. Speak kindly to her and to bring her back, having his servant and a couple of donkeys with him. So he had someone with him, and he had obviously had some obviously money and some things, because he had a couple of donkeys with him as well. So she brought so she brought him into her father's house, and when the father of the young woman saw him, he was glad to meet him. <laughs> You're coming back for the, my, my daughter, your wife, that's the concubine. Okay, great, this is good. She'll be finally going, leaving my house and going back. Whatever the reason, he was gladly to see him. Now his father-in-law, the young woman's father, de detained him. When you first looked at it, detained him? What did you put him in a headlock? You're not leaving this place. You're going to take her with you regardless of what you think. No, no. Detained him and he stayed with him three days. That was customary in those times. Three days stay. You're taking him in. Hospitality. It's part of the culture. So they ate and drank and lodged there. They had an actual party. They were having a good time. There was not any confrontation, it appears. So here the Levite was an, an example of how an offended spouse should act when there is adultery. Though she broke the bond between the two of them, he worked hard to what? To bring that relationship back and to succeed in bringing that back and see how they can reconcile with his concubine. 
In Matthew 19.8, Jesus told us that divorce is never commanded when there is adultery. It's not commanded that you get a divorce. If a partner in marriage is sinned against by adultery, they should still work to make the marriage survive and succeed up to the best of their forgiving ability. To their forgiving ability. But now he shows up at the doorstep. She didn't go running. She recognized that her, her husband was not going to come after her in a negative way. He allows him to come in. Dad embraces him. And they spend three days having a good time drinking and eating and, and talking through things. But look what happens in verse 5. Then it came to pass on the fourth day that they arose early in the morning and he stood to depart. But the young woman's father said to his son-in-law, Refresh your heart with a morsel of bread and afterward go your way. So they sat down and the two of them ate and drank together. Then the young woman's father said to the man, Please be content to stay another night and let your heart be merry. Right, we're going to have some drinking again tonight. We're going to have a good time. Let's just buds. We're going to hang out and we're going to have a great time. I don't want you to leave here. And when the man stood to depart, his father-in-law urged him. So he lodged there again. Then he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. But the young woman's father said, please refresh your heart. So they delayed until afternoon, and both of them ate. And when the man stood to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the young woman's father, said to him, Look, the day is now drawing toward evening. Please spend the night. See, the day is coming to an end. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. Again, let's just have a party again. Let's not depart. Let's have a great time. Tomorrow, go your way early so that you may get home. However, the man, the Levite, was not willing to spend that night. So he arose and depart, departed and came to opposite of Jebus, or another name of that is Jerusalem, and with him where the two saddled donkeys, with the two saddled donkeys, his concubine was also with him. Now we see here, there was a delay of him, you know, to, to wanting to leave by the father-in-law. He wanted to keep him and keep him and keep him to stay there. For whatever reason, he was really enjoying his company and, and, and having a merry old time. He was supposed to. He was going to leave right after the three days. Custom, I'm going to leave. No, no, stay another night. He did. But a half a day on the, on the fifth. Now, in those days, it was very dangerous to to, uh, to, to travel in these areas by day. But imagine even in the evening time as you're traveling. That's why the father said, wait, wait, wait. It's in the afternoon already. You should start early in the morning if you're going to transition up. We're talking about four miles away from here is where you're traveling from, from Jerusalem. So it's, it's a dangerous time. You should, probably shouldn't go. But that didn't deter him. The Levite and his entourage along with the concubine, no, no, we're heading. So we first see in verse 11, something happens here as they're traveling, which is the absolute depravity that we're going to talk about tonight. 
Verse 11. They were near Jebus, or the name of Jerusalem, and the day was far spent. That means at the very end. We're talking at the end of the day, exhausting. And the servant said to his master, Come, please, let us turn aside into the city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. But his master said to him, We will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go on to Gibeah. So in his logic, this Levi says, no, 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 I think it's going to be a little too dangerous to go into this city of the Jebusites. They're not Israelites. They're Jebusites. And in those days, when you traveled, you didn't have the Holiday Inn. You didn't even have Motel 6. You had nothing, no, you know, you went into the square and someone who's mingling within the square and leaves, they offered you to come into their house and they would then provide for you safety and food and rest. But someone had to invite you into their home because that was a customs to, to, to have hospitality to bring them in. But the Levites said, no, 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 we're not stopping there. We're going to go to the next town, to Gibeah, because that is an, an Israelite town. It'll be safer, basically, and we'd be more apt to be able to get brought into someone's house to be housed and taken care of and rest for the evening. So he said to his servant, come, let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gibeah, or in Ramah. Either one of those are on our way, but we'll figure out which one's going to be. And they passed by and went their way, and the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. That's the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, this works. It's, it's drawing down. This is getting nighttime. It's not safe for us to be out here. Let's, this is the town. Let's go in here. And they turned aside there to go in to lodge in Gibeah. And when, they, when he went in, he sat down in the open square of the city, right? Looking for someone who's going to pick them up and say, yes, come, you stay with us. For no one would take them into his house to spend the night. Whoa, that wasn't part of the plan, he thought. He's sitting in the open square, probably talking to people and seeing who could take him. It was him, his servant, his concubine, a couple of donkeys. It wasn't a major entourage with him, but no one was willing to take him in. So it's interesting that the Levite and his concubine found no hospitality in Gibeah, even though it was a Israelite town it's part of the family it's part of the the tribe of the nation of israel this is this should be they should be very warm and welcome and take us in it was the hospitality but what this does is it reflects poorly on the people of gibeah does it not because they were supposed to customarily bring them to someone in but no, found no one look at that for no one would take them they were probably will you take us no 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 I, i'm not taking you will you take it no we're not taking you Wait, wait, wait. We're Israelites. We're, 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 we're family, right? You take... No, we're not going to take you in. That's an interesting spot they find themselves in. Because God commanded such hospitality among the people of God. It wasn't something that was, I don't feel like having you being... No, no. 
It, God commanded there would be hospitality. We see it in Leviticus 19, verses 33 and 34. Leviticus 25, 35. We see it in the New Testament, Matthew 25, 35. And Hebrews 13, 2. This is something that was very clearly noted in this, as an Israelite. You are to be hospitable because God commanded you to be hospitable regardless of how you felt. There's something wrong when there is no such hospitality among God's people. Among God's people, we are to be the most hospitable to those of the family. Of God's family. Regardless of how you feel, you should be, be hospitable. Then look at verse 16. What happens? Just then, just then, last minute, right at the last minute, just then an old man came in from his work in the field at evening, who also was from the mountains of Ephraim. That's where they're from. Aha. Uh -huh. And he was staying in Gibeah, whereas the men of the place were Benjamites. And when he raised his eyes and he saw the traveler in the open square of the city, and the old man said, Where are you going and where do you come from? So he said to him, We are passing from Bethlehem in Judah toward the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there. I went to Bethlehem and Judah. Now I am going to the house of the Lord. Notice that. Now I'm going to the house of the Lord. But there is no one who will take me into his house. Although we have both straw and fodder for our donkeys, bread and wine for myself and for my female servant and for the young man who is with your servant who is with our, your servant, there is no lack of anything, meaning I'm self-provisioned. I have everything I need. No one has to go out of their way, give up their bread and wine and anything else. We have everything for the donkeys. We're not going to be a financial stress to them. We just need a place safe to stay within, within a building. And the old man said, peace be with you. Calm down. Don't be anxious. Calm down. Peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. I know you've got the stuff for your donkeys. I know you've got your own uh, provisions for yourself, bread and wine stuff. But it's, it's customary. It's, it's the right thing to do. I, I want to be, take full responsibility because that's exactly what it meant. Once you brought them in the house, you were taking full responsibility to protect your guests. The person, this Levite, was, I'm going to take full responsibility to bring you in the house and make sure you have... A, a, not a terrible night, not an unrestful night, a, a difficult night. I want you to have a peaceful, restful night. That was the goal. That was what you want to have anyone who is going to be in your house and staying the night. That it would be a place of rest. So he said, let all your needs be my responsibility. Only do not spend the night in the open square. Just don't do that. I can't, no, you can't do that. So we brought him into his house Gave fodder to the donkeys, and they washed their feet, and ate, and drank. Now, it says right here, who also was from the mountains of Ephraim? The only person to extend the hospitality was not a Benjamite, not their town, but someone who wasn't even from their town, but from Ephraim, the mountains of Ephraim. 
who happened to be there to staying, so he was able to accommodate him. So they took him, the Levite in, took the concubine in, took his servant in. None of them are native of the Gibeah. That should have been taken care of all these people who are from Gibeah, should have been taking care of the strangers in their midst. You were to be hospitable even to strangers. But notice there, now I am going to the house of the Lord. We remember that the house of the Lord was not in Jerusalem. We see that it is in Shiloh at this point. We see that back in Judges chapter 18, verse 31. That was why they were going to the house of the Lord or towards Shiloh. But here's what happened in verse 22. As they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men. Do you remember that word, certain men, from Sunday's teaching? Certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. That, that word in the, the original language is not just a walk three times here moment. It is literally pounding and pounding, trying to break through the door to get in. Beating on the door. You are not resting until you answer this door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man who came to your house that we may know him cardinally. Bring him out here because we're going to about to rape him. We're going to have our way with him. Interesting welcome into a Benjamite Israeli town. Remember, in the law of God, no homosexuality was to be in any city. It was not tolerated. It was being tolerated in this city. That showed you the depravity and how far the nation of Israel, especially the Benjamites in these towns, had fallen so bad from God. But the verb here, in the form of the beat on the door, like I said, was this increasing loud pounding on the door. They were so aggressive. This is no way a political or casual or neighborly request here. This was absolutely flat out savage moment. I'm coming in. Or you better come out. And there was one request. Not the old man's daughter. Not the concubine, but the Levite. And this request was the same made by the homosexuals, if you remember, who surrounded the house of Lot in Sodom in Genesis 19.5. The same request. The picture is clear. That during the time of Judges, Israel it was as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened? It gets worse. Verse 23, but the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brethren, I guess he was trying to appease them. No, my brethren, remember, we're brothers here. We're all Israelites. You're from the, from the tribe of Benjamin, but we're all Israelites here. We're brethren, right, 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 trying to appease them, maybe? I beg you, I'm in the begging stage now. Please don't be acting like this. This should not be happening. 
Do not act so wickedly. He called it out. Don't be acting so wickedly. Seeing this man has come into my house, do not commit this outrage. What? Because I'm obligated. You understand God said we're supposed to protect. No one is to bring harm and difficulties to someone you're taking in under hospitality into your house and trying to take care of. This is outrage. When what you're even asking and requesting is absolute depravity here. Look, here's my virgin daughter. What? And the man's concubine. Let, them, let me bring them out now. Humble them and do with them as you please? What? Remember this back in that time? How men saw women as lesser than us. Insane. God never saw women back then in anything less of. He created them in the image of God just like men. But he says, humble them and do that with them as you please. Meaning you can rape them, you can have your way. But to this man, do not do such a vile thing. Homosexuality is a vile thing. But the men would not heed him. So the man took his concubine, not his daughter, Levite's concubine, and brought her out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night long, raped her all night long until morning. And when the day began to break, they let her go. Then the woman came as the day was dawning and fell, at the, fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was till it was light. Understand, in that culture, not the Bible, the culture, not the word of God, it was customary that a man entered a home. It was important that the host go to every means possible to prevent his guests from any difficulty. That was customary. And they find themselves in a situation where it is so dark and depravity into this city that it will cause all kinds of problems with those who are not looking for it. Though the perverted men of Gibeah were clearly guilty, so was the Levite and the host of the home. They clearly should have been willing to sacrifice themselves instead of the others of these women. It's clearly about the concubine. So each one of these were guilty, except, of course, of the concubine, because she was a, just a, an object to these people. And it's absolutely clear to us, scripturally, morally, and even logically, what he's doing is an abomination. Besides the, the guys who were homosexuals coming after the guy, trying to get the guy, the, even the old man and the Levi, even allowing that to happen was an abomination. How could this be? How does a man's heart get to the point of that depravity? was the result of a culture doing what is right in their own, uh, their own eyes. 
That's how a culture, that's how a nation, that's how a town, that's how a city, that's how a... Can go to such deep, dark depravity because they saw and did what was right in their own eyes. And not God's. And as they abused her and raped her, it was so impactful, we see that through the centuries later, this event was still on the hearts and the minds of God's people. We see that in Hosea 9.9, Hosea 10.9. In Hosea 9.9, it says, They are deeply corrupted as the days of Gibeah. And in, in Hosea 10.9, O Israel, you have sinned from the days of Gibeah. So even centuries later, Israel were still remembering and remembered this atrocity in Gibeah. Gibeah's atrocity. And it used it as an example of the level of wickedness of man. Never forgotten. Verse 27. When it gets worse. And when her master arose in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way, what? The master, the Levite, arose from the morning? This man could sleep knowing his concubine was out being abused and raped? He was able to sleep? And then he opens the doors of the house and went out to go his way like he's going to go on his journey with her or without her? You know, it is what it is. But instead, there was his concubine fallen at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. Couldn't even beat on the door. Just enough strength to touch the threshold of the door. And he said to her, get up and let us be going. But there was no answer. So the man, the Levite, lifted her onto the donkey and the man got up and went to his place, and when he entered his house, he took a knife, laid hold of his concubine, and divided her into twelve pieces, limb by limb, and set her throughout all the territory of Israel. And so it was that all who saw it, was, saw it said, No such deed has been done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up from the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, confer, and speak up. First of all, it shows the heart of this Levite and the darkness of that man's heart. The level of heartlessness of this Levite toward the concubine clearly shows you his heart. And it was dark. He acts like it was no big deal. And realizes this woman's dead. He picks her up, puts her on, his, on a donkey to take her to his house. Travels there. Gets there. Takes his knife. Cuts her into 12 pieces so that he could take one piece and send it to each tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel. Why did he do it? Because he wanted the attention of all the tribes to show how bad 
and serious the situation was, and that revenge needed to take place upon the Benjamites, upon the city, upon these people who are absolutely in abomination of depravity to the depths and the level. Now, I can't fathom, I can't understand why this man would have cut her body into pieces. But obviously the method worked of getting the people's attention of the grotesque way of he delivering the message depicted of the grossness of the situation that she died in the hands of these homosexual men of the city. And it was so tragic that the Levite didn't even, I mean, it's almost like didn't even show this kind of concern for righteousness at all earlier, and now he's trying to get revenge. Why? Because what, what was the, what was, what is his take from that? And I just settled as I, I ponder on this and as I look into the next two chapters, I've just realized it's just, it's it, the depravity and the darkness of man's heart was so bad in Israel at that point in time because they have followed so many worldly ways and false gods. It creeps into the hearts and the, of people's minds and they can go to such depths of, of just walking away from God. And that this man sent a message. And it was meant, obviously, to arouse an entire nation to action by calling for a national judicial hearing of what took place. I want everyone to know what took place. And I want a national review of this situation. It's like, take it to the Supreme Court. We want the courts to hear it. We want the entire nation to see what's going on here. It's the depravity. I want to ruling on this. Get this done. And that's why he did it. The Levites seeking retaliation upon this this city, this this tribe. And we're about to see an entire nation doing right in his own eyes as a responsible for this tragedy. And it's a scene that's darker than the one before as we go into the next two chapters. And the glory of God is absolute rejected. When evil isn't dealt with. When evil isn't dealt with properly, it has the tendency to grow. And sin in the city of Gibeah eventually affected the entire tribe of Benjamin. And we will see it it will lead into a civil war in the land of Israel because of this situation. Because these other tribes are saying, this has got to be dealt with. How one city... Gibeah's atrocity can lead to an entire nation of, of civil war and division. Let me tell you, that will absolutely can happen in our own nation. Are you prepared and ready to watch? Our nation possibly go into this direction because of the such a depth of darkness and depravity that is happening. And don't think it can't. Because we see it in the scriptures of what can happen. Father, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for the insights and understanding of what happens when we walk away from the grace of God, when we walk in our own sight, our own ways, wanting to do our own thing and not checking and verifying and understanding and desiring to be in the complete obedience of your will. May we be men and women desiring to be in your perfect will for our lives, for our families, for our church, for our community, for our nation, Lord. May you have mercy upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good night.